You've just picked up your third grade grandchild after the end of the school day. And as she gets into the car, you ask, how was your day? And you get the same answer you always do. Fine. We shouldn't be surprised that if we ask the same question, we'll probably get the same response. So what is the key to changing up and fleshing out the conversation? That's what we're here to talk about. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we're going to talk about listening. Now, you might think since I mentioned that you asked a question of the grand in your car that I'm really talking about talking. But in reality, how we talk, the questions we ask, is where listening begins. Join us as we begin to unlock what it means to really listen. Christine Miles is the author of the book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? and is the creator of the Listening Path program. She's the CEO of a company called Equipped. Welcome, Christine. So good to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, you know, we're talking in this episode about transformational listening. I mean, what makes that different from just simple listening? Well, yes, not none of listening is simple, is it? <laughs> really? <laughs> good point. <laughs> Let's just start there. Uh, most people, when they, they talk about listening in any way, they, they talk about active listening or attentive listening. Really, how do you attend to the person speaking? While that's part of transformational listening, the, the difference is that we're going well beyond just paying attention or hearing something. It's really a, a listening of discovery. So the reason it's called the listening path is the path to understanding. So how mm. do you understand the person as well as the message or the meaning of the message? And so that's, it transforms the conversation, it transforms the relationship, it transforms the outcome. So that's, that's how it's transformational. What does transformational listening sound like? Well, it's it sounds very different than what, again, we call active. It's really, it's because it's a process of discovery, it is really the conversation of listening. It's not just about holding silence or holding space. It, it's that part of it, but it's also being the guide in the mm. conversation. It's how do you guide the speaker or the teller to the discovery. How do you find that together? It's really, it's really how we transform the conversation. I see. That's why you're calling it a path. It's funny because I always think of listening, like you said, you're just sitting back. It's very passive. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost sounds like in transformational listening, you're in control. Would it be wrong to say you're in control? Not if you're doing it well. Hmm. That's that's not wrong at all. It, it's not a selfish endeavor. It's quite an unselfish endeavor. But most of us, while we're wired to learn in stories, listen to stories, we're not really naturally wired to be good storytellers. Mm -hmm. So we, as the listener, have to help bring out the storyteller of the person talking. We have to help them tell their own story. And so when we do that, we are doing that in a very active way. And we are taking control of the conversation. We're being that guide to their own story. Interesting. But you also have the confidence that the person you're listening to can do what you're asking them to do. So it, it, you are placing some kind of... Uh, you know, almost affirmation onto them that they can do it as long as you guide them properly, correct? That's right. I, I believe the answers are within all of us. It Rather than providing the answers, a part of transformational listening is helping the answers come, come to them, hmm. help them discover their own answers and their own solutions. And so, again, the, the analogy here, just to 
to level set is you wouldn't go hiking or backpacking in the woods for let's say two weeks without any tools or supplies in your backpack. That, mm-hmm. that would be crazy. And yet we go into what what I call the conversational woods all the time, completely unprepared, no tools, no supplies. Let's just wing it and yeah. hope that nobody gets hurt. Yeah. And we're, we're hurting each other all the time. It, we call it death by a thousand cuts. We don't know that we're hurting one another, but because of the things we missed and the way we go off the path, we end up we end up hurting each other and causing those wounds that actually damage the relationship. How could you help us as grandparents to learn to listen well and apply this maybe to the start of the school year for our grandkids as they start their new path that they're going on? Let's just give you an example. So grandparents often are the people who pick up or drop off their grandchildren to school. Um, I know I've done that several times. And of course, many grandparents just fall into the, how was your day today? What what happened at school? You know, (laughs) (laughs) which is, it gets a little old to get along in the tooth for a child. And they're like, it's fine. And then, you know, they don't want to talk anymore. So, so how do we use that time on, in the car to help our grandchildren? become good listeners themselves or for us to be good listeners to them when they're telling us about what's happening. So there's a couple things. Again, whenever you're listening, you're you're listening to a story, whether that's a moment in time or the uh, or a moment of the day or their whole day. So rather than how is school today, we, we need to take more of a journalistic approach and really figure out what was the story of their day. Mm. And so, you know, take me back. How did your day begin is a different way of asking uh, than how was your day? So what's the first thing you did? Kind of think about where you are in the story. We tend to just ask almost like the ending rather than saying, why don't we go back to the beginning? Kids are more likely to answer that because it's more open-ended and it launches them into story mode. We help them be the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And if they say, oh, I don't know, I go, well, tell me the first thing that you did. Um, and sometimes kids will say to me, well, I had recess. And I go, wait a second, was that first? Or take me back even further. So we have to challenge the notion a little bit and keep orienting them to the beginning of the story so that they help us get into their world. And just that take me back question alone, we call that one of the compass questions, that's one of the tools in the, the listening path backpack, which is the six most powerful questions that you can ask when you're when you're listening. Because questioning is a very important part of listening, mm-hmm. but questions can also interfere with listening. So we only we only allow for six because those six questions get more of the story and really help the natural storyteller come out, even from our little ones. So so just take me back to the beginning. Where did your day start is a huge step in the right direction to get more out of your your grandkids. So how do you keep this from sounding like an interrogation? It, se- <laughs> it, it, it seems like that there's so many more questions that may come out. Mm-hmm. An interrogation. Tell me more. What do you, well, what do you mean? Well, I, I, okay. So little, little personal baggage here. I, <laughs> I, I don't like answering lots of questions. Mm-hmm. I'll answer a few, but if there are a bunch coming at me, I feel like I'm under interrogation. Well, you're not alone. Yeah. And that's that's actually quite astute. So maybe baggage or maybe just a healthy cautionary <laughs> tale. Um, we'll decide later. Um, let me spend a little more time with you. Okay. But, uh, 
But what happens normally is that we we tend to take more of a a interrogative approach um, naturally. So our specific questions are really what lead people to feeling interrogated. What you do? How was that? You know why? Okay. These are all very. These are questions that put us on the defensive. So it's the not the question. number of questions. It's the nature of the questions. It's the nature of the questions. Okay, I got it. It is. And less is more. So, you know, you say, take me back to the beginning. That's a, that's a much more open-ended question than a lot of our sister will house. This is so-and-so and what you have for lunch. And so we allow the, we allow the story to open up in a different way yeah. when we use those kind of questions. I just used the second question when I asked you. I said, tell me more. Did okay. you feel, I get it. Did you did you feel interrogated by <laughs> no, that? No, I didn't. Not at <laughs> all. I, I felt I felt heard and understood and I felt like you cared at that moment. I, well, yeah. and is that that the point? Yes. Right. And yeah. and so nothing works a hundred percent of the time. That's the other thing. But these these kinds of things, having the right tools work more of the time. Sometimes kids feel like talking and sometimes they don't. But if we get them into a rhythm of the, the nature and we we open them up rather than giving them an opportunity to shut down. It makes a bigger difference. So let me ask you this, Christine. I feel like, you know, this is like a, a new concept, this whole idea of, of transformational listening. Why are we in a place in our society now that it's just so much more important? It feels like with children, they're, they're kind of like all into their technology. In fact, if you ask them how their school day is, they really just want to be on a device. They don't want to talk yeah. to you. Because they've been off um, it all day. And I mean, mm -hmm. do you think yeah. that it's always been a problem or has this gotten worse over, you know, over time? Well, we've always been told to listen, not taught. That's the first problem. Mm. So we could talk about ourselves. Have you had any kind of listening training? Have mm. you gone through that? I mean, I'm a master's level in psychology. I'm a certified marriage and family therapist, I never had a porcelain listening. Yeah. My my listening started early because of my childhood and growing up with a mother who had mental health issues. And I learned to listen differently at a very young age. So so we've always been told rather than taught. So we've never been great at it because we're winging it from a very, very young age. Mm. However, I do think that the way the world is rolling, and I would say it's not just kids. If adults have to be off their devices all day, they can't wait to be on them either. Yeah. So this is not just a child problem. Um, so it's 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 a big problem. And I do think we need to go back to the basics. And this has to be more important than ever because we're not having the natural opportunities to at least converse in a way that hones in and we're practicing the human skills more naturally because there are so much there is so much time on the devices. Yeah, we, we talked to the preschool teacher in our last episode, and she talked about how children, even in the preschool ages, she is noticing a huge difference. And Mike and I have been talking about this. Is it is it that they don't listen or is it that they don't respect? We can't we can't tell the difference between whether they're just not respecting the teacher or do we assume that not listening is a form of disrespect? I mean, how, how do we tease that apart? And also, how do these preschool teachers and teachers going forward, how do they manage in a school if their kids aren't, they're not listening? I know I feel disrespected when I'm not listened to well, right? right? Whether that's when I'm some giving or following directions or just in conversation. 
we're talking chicken and the egg a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, we need listening literacy is really what we need. We need a language of listening that we just haven't created. And I, our company mission is to create that listening movement where we're flipping the paradigm on what's most important in terms of communication. Learning to listen to others, listen to yourself is really the foundation of the house. So if we can help kids and adults have a common language around what it means to listen, then I think we can start to flip things a little more quickly in those contexts like the classroom, in parenting situations. Right now it's just, hey, I'm, I'm talking, you're not listening to me. That's not enough to really get kids engaged in a different way because what does that mean? You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what it means to really listen. Mm-hmm. And this is much more interesting and it's intoxicating, the, the cell phone, the digital devices. So we're, we're competing very hard against what the brain is a little bit of that drug that we're, we're chasing. This whole idea of training people to listen, is this, it sounds like maybe this has come out of a passion project for you. I mean, is that how it started? Uh, it's It's been some aspect of my career for my entire life. I mean, one of the things that happened for me is that as early as high school, I realized I was overachieving in anything I was doing, not because of my natural talents or abilities, but because I had this thing that other people didn't have, which was this ability to listen in a different way. Hmm. Because I I had a mother who lost her mother from childbirth. Um, And she was, my mother was very exuberant and funny and loving and lit up the room, but she had this pain underneath the surface from losing her mother from, you know, she was three months old when her mother died. Hmm. And so There was this dichotomy that most people didn't see, but I was very, very well aware of. So we're all going through that in some way, shape or form. What we see on the outside is not everything that's going on underneath the surface. And so tapping into that and and understanding people at a different level is is children and adults is, is really very powerful. Now, I noticed on your website, you go into businesses, but you also go into schools. Are mm-hmm. you talking to the students when you go into schools or are you talking to the teachers or both? At the moment, we're, we're talking to teachers and faculty. The mm-hmm. mission, though, is to create the, the toolkit, the literacy for, for schools, for elementary schools starting, where we're giving them the the six tools for listening so that they start to have that language. We're also developing a game where they can practice the tools using them together by the age of about fifth grade. So while we're doing this for adults, by the way, the way you teach adults and children isn't that different <laughs> because we're at we're level set, we're at the same place. Adults haven't been taught either. Mm. Um, and so the good news is while it takes practice, that's you know, that's the hard part you can learn to start to listen differently within half a day. Mm. You'll start to transform how you listen because once you have the tools, then then you just have to practice using them because then the story comes to you. But the brain is the enemy of listening. The brain says, no, 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 no. I don't like that. I, I've done it this way all my life. And I don't know. Yeah, people, adults in particular, fight them. 
This is also why it's so important we start to educate kids much earlier because they're much more open. Their brains are not as contaminated with all the reasons why it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so you're re rewiring the brain uh, more quickly, and that probably makes a lot of sense that that would work. I'm kind of wanting to know what the other five things are, but do we need to read the book? No, I'd be happy. I mean, I'd be happy to tell you. Yeah, go ahead and course. share that with us. Um, because the other thing I'm thinking about is that while this it, this episode is about school and school starting over again, the conversations that we have to have with our adult children are also super important when we drop our grandchildren off or when we're sure. talking to them. I had a conversation this morning with a daughter, and she was telling me something, and I started saying, "Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you ask this?" And she stopped me and she said, Mom, I'm not asking for your advice. I just mm -hmm. wanted to tell you how I'm feeling about this, that it happened. And I just thought, oh, man, stepped in it again. Why did I do that? You know, I did not need to be well, giving her advice. That's the well, worst. Well, because, you know, knowledge and experience is the enemy of listening as well. Okay. So you have the knowledge and experience to know maybe what, would be helpful, right? This is a, you're selling as a grandparent, whether you know it or not, right? You're selling to your daughter. I know something you might not know. Oh, that's and so all, hard. That's so it's hard. so hard. And, and whether you're a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, or a, or a salesperson walking into a customer's office, we all suffer from the same ale, which is, I want to solve your problem. And the more <laughs> I've seen your problem, the more I'm ready to solve it, whether you're ready to hear the solution or not. <laughs> so we call that earning the right. How do you earn the right to make that pivot to, to solving? What we tend to do is rush to problem solving, again, because knowledge and experience especially tells us to go there faster. Mm -hmm. So the listening path tools, when you really uncover, then you you earn the right to make that that pivot. That's further down the road on the listening path. But when you understand first, um, it's a huge, it's a huge entry point to being able to, to solve problems. Great. So take us down the path a little bit here. So I'll give you high level first and then you can decide where you want to dig in. So, okay. so I wrote about the first, the, the foundational tools in the book. There's actually 12 tools on the listening path. I wrote about six. The one I just talked about were called the trekking poles. That's when you pivot from listener to teller. All mm -hmm. right. Once you've earned the right, but let's go back to further. So the first tool on the listening path is the map. You need to know where you're where you're going. If you don't have a map, you're lost in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there's two things on the map you've got to make sure you get. One is facts, and the other is feelings. So we're socialized to only listen for facts, not necessarily feelings. And when mm -hmm. you're when you're listening, you need to get both. So that's the first tool, the map. The second is, as I mentioned, whenever you're listening, you're always listening to a story whether a moment in time or a life story. And so like any story, there's a beginning, middle and end, right? Um, in, in the way we describe the listening path, it's really, there's four stops. There's a beginning, a struggle, a tipping point and a new beginning. So when you're listening, you need to make all four stops on that path in the woods. So that's the, the second tool. The third tool is the compass, which is really how you navigate staying on the main path. And those are those six most powerful questions, two of which I already shared with you. Take me back to the beginning and tell me more. Mm. There's four, four others. You just did the, one of the, the, the six, which is, hmm, 
Okay. That, I right, did that well. A, <laughs> I know that. That's, well, that's <laughs> an imperceptible or, or a nonverbal verbal way of, of asking, tell me more. Mm. All mm-hmm. right. So the compass helps you stay on the main path. So that's the third tool. The fourth tool is called the flashlight. So one of the, the biggest things that we miss when we listen is to not only just repeat what's heard, but really to tell the story that you just told me. So we call that the flashlight. How do I summarize, not just a moment in time, but really let me tell you your own story back. That is Mm -hmm. an incredibly powerful tool. Facts, feelings, all four stops. Big, big, big way to really communicate. I I really have paid attention. I really understand you. Um, So that's the fourth tool. And the the fifth tool is called the water filter. So just like when you're backpacking in the woods, you can't possibly carry enough water. Uh, so you need to make sure that you you make you don't drink anything contaminated. So you need a water filter. When you're listening to a story, you're inevitably going to contaminate that story because the brain will tell you your own story. It'll you'll have your own experiences. So it gets all mushy and contaminated. So once I use my flashlight and I summarize the story you just told me, I need to make sure I didn't contaminate it. So I have to ask the, I have to give you a pretty powerful prompt, which is, do I get you? Yeah. And when, when I, when I ask, do I get you? And I've summarized that story back. If you affirm, yes, you've gotten me, then I know that we walked on the same path together. And now we're really beginning to understand one another. Mm. So, all right. That's great. And then, then the sixth tool is called the footprints, which is really how do you mini reflect along the path? That's when more art comes into it versus just the process. So how do I summarize little bits, sound bites back to you as as you're sharing the story? So it's very interactive along the way. Wow, that's fantastic. I uh, I hear bit tidbits of things that I've known before, but if putting it together and kind of visualizing this idea of being on a path and working mm-hmm. through it as if you're on a listening path, I love that. I really think that helps me to like put it all together don't you think it, it just yeah i was thinking uh, about the 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 process cuz i'm sort of wired that way i guess and and so you talked about there being art but there's also discipline that is if you understand these things you've you're going to have to develop the discipline to use them and then mm-hmm. the art to use them in a humane way that's that's effective so i can see that there is a lot here but it's impressive that you've distilled it to something that you can kind of grab onto and and frankly be pretty hopeful even out of you know 15 minutes of conversation yeah yeah which, which pre- is great feels good no i appreciate that well the more process oriented you are yeah the more the, the easier this is to learn mm, okay because if you don't fight the tools like so so i learned to play golf when i was 40 because i was injured in a motor vehicle accident when i was in my late 20s so i couldn't do any sports for a pretty long time and i was pretty athletic in my earlier days so i thought well i can hit a ball well that's naive until you try to play golf <laughs> <laughs> not, not so easy so so I went to a golf pro who gave me things to, to learn and I got I got no better. He told me 25 things. And then I went to a golf pro who said, you only need to know five things about the golf swing, how to how to set up, how to how to grip the club. Here's what starts the swing. Here's what finishes the swing. I don't even remember the fifth thing. And my golf game went inordinately to a different level. Wow. So I shaved about 20 points off my wow. like 
because I can hit a ball, but he kept it so simple. So, so, but I did those things very sequentially and it's the same thing here. So when you just let the process do the work and don't fight it, if you don't fight asking the six questions, if you don't fight getting out your flashlight and just using what feels very uncomfortable to say something like, do I get you? You're going to get the story. I mean, we have people who, what's magnificent is even when we're working with businesses, the first story we have them get is from someone they love. And the transformative conversations they've had with loved ones is really very, very powerful. Like we had a guy that after a half a day of training said, I got an unelicited hug from my 16-year-old daughter, the first one in three years. Wow. And he was just so grateful. That is transformational. Yes. It is. (laughs) And that's just one of I mean, hundreds of stories. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the listening, the transformational, because I think it also creates trust. Like you you create a bond and a trust with someone when you have transformational listening instead of feeling like people have blown you off, nobody cares mm-hmm. what you said. You know, that, that feeling that somebody cares when they're listening to you is huge. Develops yeah. such a strong bond, I would think, between moms and dads, between husbands and wives, between business uh, colleagues, and also teachers yeah. and children and grandparents and you know parents and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So we are so grateful for this information. We will be looking for your book, uh, What It Is Costing You Not to Listen. That's mm-hmm. by Christine Miles. And you are the Creative Listening Path Program. And you have this company called Equipped. We, uh, we hope that it's helped the listeners to get a little better at their own listening. I appreciate the time. Thank you. The conversation with Christine was really enlightening. I have always thought that in many ways I was a good listener, but I didn't know that a really great listener is someone who guides the conversation. Yeah, that metaphor of being a guide in the woods, that was really a helpful idea. Yeah. It, it underscored that you need specific tools to get through the woods, and it strikes me that almost the right tool maybe gets you almost through the woods. Yeah. But if you listen to what she said and if you choose them carefully... Um, it's not a big change in the conversation, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm excited to put some of those suggestions to use with our grandchildren, but also with you and with other people. That's great. She calls it transformational for a reason. If you love learning about being an intentional grandparent, you may really enjoy the Grandparents Academy, where there is a learning event that's coming up in September uh, called Grandparents Week. It is the largest virtual celebration and educational conference for grandparents of its kind. Yeah, Mike and I are among 20 experts who are presenting during Grandparents Week. And our session is about the dangers of comparing ourselves to our in-law grandparents in a session called Overcoming Grand Comparison. So the dates are September 10th through 16th, 2023. General admission is free. And there are giveaways going on for those who register in advance. And you can do that at www.grandparentsweek.com. And also, we wanted to mention Dee Dee at More Than Grand. Don't forget to look for her and find out what she's up to. She's offering ideas, great ideas, coaching, prompts, handbooks. There's an online shop where you can use a discount code to get 10% off an order of her materials. Uh, The discount code is GRANDLIFE, all one word. And the web page is at morethangrand.com. And you'll get 10% off your order. So that's awesome. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. 
Next time on The Grand Life. The fact is that most grandparents are helping their kids and their grandkids today. That's the bottom line. Over half, 53%, are helping with education costs. 37% are helping with living expenses. And by the way, that's been aggravated tremendously by the pandemic. And then 23%, almost a quarter of these folks, are paying for medical bills for their kids or and their grandkids. An average of $2,500 annually. What's most scary is that the parents who are 10 years or less from retirement themselves, they are the ones that are contributing the most to their grandkids and to their children. That's next time here on The Grand Life.